You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey, our podcast where we discover all things Virginia Tech. And tonight we're going to discuss the Hokies' 45-10 loss to Clemson last night, which by the final score sounds really bad, but most people expected it. But how we got there is what we want to talk about. And joining me tonight is my regular co-host, John Schneider, and our guest co-host, Jahar Ali, one of our former contributors who joins us quite often to talk about Hokie hoops and Hokie football. How are you fellas doing tonight? I'm still kind of scratching my head and wondering, you know, where we're going and what we're doing. But I'm not so disappointed from last night that I'm kind of like in the dumps like I was last week. How about you, Jahar? I came into last night's game with zero expectations and still somehow came out disappointed. So a little different than you, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, everybody's going to have a slightly different impression. I go along with what Jahar said. I think last night I had zero expectations. I mean, there was a small part of me that said, I don't even want to watch this, but I have to watch it. But when it comes time to it, there's no way I'm not going to watch it. But after the first half, I'm like, man, these kids are laying on the line. I feel really good about what we're doing here. I like the game plan to start out with by the offense. And and I I thought the defense, I thought Coach Hamilton did an outstanding job last night, his side of the ball. They they were certainly not to blame despite the score. Things happened, spiraled out of control toward the end of the third quarter, but we'll get more into that. But they, they build you up. You're thinking you got a chance here. And I looked at it, I was like, Clemson's vulnerable, but yet we are so out of sync coaching everything that we couldn't make him pay. Yeah, I'll tell you when I knew the break was, and remember, I since I do the halftime wrap-up, I actually had kind of a happy halftime wrap-up because I had to rewrite part of my wrap-up that, you know, you do a pre-write and then you sit there and then adjust it depending on what happens. And I do the drive log and I was like, okay. I'm like looking at Raheem Blackshear's last. It's like, why didn't you stick your hand out? Even if he knocked it away, there was no time on the clock. Who cares? Stick your hand out. You would have gotten over the line and it would have been tied going into the locker room. And it wasn't like I was mad at him or anything. It was just, he was such a great play. You'd wished he'd finished it. So that was my impression of the whole game. That was the last good impression. That one play was kind of the night in a nutshell. In my opinion. Yep, exactly. So Jahar, how about you? I honestly don't think it was as, in terms of play calling, play design, it wasn't as bad of a game by the coaching staff. They obviously had a good plan for Trevor Warren. He only completed 12 balls. Justin Hamilton looked like he was Bud Foster out there, playing a lot of single high man free. Uh, Kirk Kerbstreet alluded to it on the broadcast. A lot of pressure packages to make Warren settle for the one-on-one outside shots, which have a low percentage chance of being completed. I mean, they got one down the sideline in the third quarter, I think, on Brian Murray. But other than that, Clemson was able to get what they wanted in the run game. They did a lot of zone read stuff with Trevor Warren in the third quarter to sort of give them a two-score lead at that point. But offensively, I don't think the game plan was bad at all either. We hit, I think, Tavion Robinson on a Yankee concept. He was coming across the field. So the opposite corner had the post to deal with. And so Tavion came across the field, was wide open. That was a really well-designed play. And we came out of it in a condensed formation, which we really hadn't done all year. I mean, we ran a lot of little outside run plays off of that. That was somewhat successful. Cole Herbert had a good day on the ground. 
So I don't think it was a bad game by the play callers and the play designers. But in terms of game management, oh my gosh, can we go to the end of the first half sequence yeah, there? I mean, there's 55 huge, seconds yeah. left on the clock, three timeouts, and what do we do? We run the ball twice, get into Hail Mary range, complete the Hail Mary, only to have it be six inches short of the goal line. And you're left wondering, oh, what if there was five seconds left on the clock? And, you know, Fuente basically said, we're down 17 to 10 right now with 55 seconds and three timeouts left. And instead of trying to make it a closer game at halftime, he said, we're complacent with being one score down to the possibly the best team in the country, I think is the biggest indictment on Fuente. And like I said, that whole last series, that whole, that whole last play was the game in a nutshell. But that last play was, but that series leading up to it, I'm like, why'd you run? And then I'm like, okay, well, if you ran it, call a timeout. Why don't you call a timeout? You got three on the clock. I'm like, I'm not screaming because I'm sitting in the kitchen and the dogs get upset when I scream or get upset. So I'm trying to control myself, but I'm going, where's the timeout? Stop the damn clock. And it was like Andy Reid on the sideline. Somebody hit him over the head with a clue bat or something. And then, of course, the second half, they came out. The second half, first of all, the injuries. I mean, you lose Burmeister suddenly with that knee, and that did not look like it was a good shot on the knee. And I don't know if that was his bad foot or not, but he was gimping. And then Hendon comes back in, and Hendon was not dialed. Okay, Hendon Hooker was not ready to go back into that football game. He was not dialed in. I've seen that kind of reaction before. I'm not a doctor, but I've been on plenty of cold weather games as a kid or when I was in cold weather or we did cold weather training when I was in ROTC and all that other stuff. And what he looked like he was having was, you know, when you get cold and you're wet and sweaty and what happens is, is that your body temperature can plummet. And I'm sorry, I'm an old fat man. My body temperature is pretty well insulated most of the time. And so if I'm steaming back and forth on the sideline and I'm cold, yeah, I'm cold, but my core is pretty well insulated. There's two ounces of fat on Hen and Hooker's body. That young man was cold because he was hot and sweaty. He had gone and sat on the sideline for a while. And I bet you his body temperature was 94 degrees, maybe 95. And that's when you start having convulsions. I don't hold the second half really accountable to the coaching staff. I mean, there was, yeah, some mistakes, but like that was with Knox Tatum in the game. At that point, you're just trying to get to the next game, you know? I'm not pointing the finger at the coaches on the second half. As far as the injuries, just handed them the proverbial crap sandwich, right? I'm saying that like the second half should just be considered a wash because of, you know, you as your first and second string quarterback. But even in the first half, like I don't think that a lot of the issues that were created were because of like player mistakes. You know, Hendon Hooker like fumbling the snap on, I think, the first series of the game cost them to punt the ball and they were moving the ball pretty well before that. You had the Brock Hoffman, dumb, dumb penalty. Where he was driving onto a pile. That yeah, another one too, like in the second half. Yeah, shot block. Shot blocks are hard to deal with right now because there's a lot of reasons for it. But yeah, when you're already been flagged and hit for being careless or overcharged and out of control, to sort of do something that suggests that again, and yeah, he got benched. I mean, when it's the same guy every time, it's hard to defend it because it's the same guy getting the penalties no. all the time, and and he should have. Yeah, it's a- been benched after the first one, but. He got benched. He should have gotten benched, but it should have been sooner. But and I'm not disagreeing with you. I think I would have I would have let him steam off for a little while. And like I said, there's not enough coaching going on on the sideline of Fuente's staff. That's one thing that I will tell you point blank because I've been down there and I see it. There's just really not a lot of communicating and a lot of senior coaching 
going on with the staff. These kids are standing alone talking to each other, but the actual coaches aren't there in their face or in their ear hole going, what the hell are you thinking about? Wyatt Taylor got benched for far less offenses when he was here than what Brock Hoffman's done this year. Yeah. And Teller, of course, is now one of the best guards in pro football. So go figure, right? Okay, so that's the game kind of activity in a nutshell. We are wounded. We don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be next week. It's either going to be Burmeister. I don't know if Hooker's going to be ready. He's also dinged up besides the kind of spasm thing that happened. He seems to be really having problems handling the ball. The rumors are that he hurt his hand somehow or another, and that's really one hand. I don't know. It's obviously not his right hand, but you need your left hand to handle snaps too. So I don't know if Hooker's going to be in there. It might be Knox Kadem taking the field against UVA. And if that happens with this coaching staff's tendencies about pretty much shutting down the offense when they don't have one of their starting quarterbacks coming in, I don't see us right now. We're supposedly a three-point favorite or something like that with UVA coming in the door. I don't see that. It's going to depend. Let's see what happens by the middle of the week and we find out who's going to be starting as quarterback. But now, I like Knox Kadem. The, kids, the kid came in there and had confidence, and he was better than some of the other emergency backup quarterbacks we've had over the past few years. Yeah, until he was put in an impossible situation. He didn't panic. Now, I don't know what happens when a team has a chance to prepare for him for a week, but I was impressed with the kid last night, and apparently his teammates were too. So That I see hope for. And like I said, he was supposed to be the quarterback in two years. He's a redshirt freshman. And then by the time he was a redshirt junior, he was supposed to be the starting quarterback, or at least that was the dream. The dream was Demetrius Davis was the dream to start a quarterback. No, that was a pipe dream. You know what a pipe dream refers to? Pipe dreams were, you know, the dreams you had, the hallucinations and dreams you had smoking in the open. I'm not sure if they ever had planned on Knox Caden being the guy here, so. But but credit to him, he's got an opportunity moving forward because we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback position next year either. No, we don't. We don't have a clue. We, I mean, we don't have a team clue right now, but that's another discussion for another time. So as we wind this, and we will have, a, you know, our general preview show coming up. We'll record on Wednesday. But what's the – name one good thing from Saturday. I know what I, I thought my one good thing was. I mean, it has to be the run offense, right? The performance yeah. of the offensive line was generally very good. Pass protection was a little suspect, but Brent, Brent Venables is known for, you know, his crazy pre- pressure packages. Yeah. Michael Herbert had a good day on the ground. I mean, Herbert he over himself made yards. a lot of jump cuts to make the first guy miss. Offensive line, even on that touchdown run, I think, well, I guess it was only text, only touchdown. Darisaw did a great job of moving, I think, the second level linebacker out of the way, clearing the way for the running back to score. Yeah, it has to be the performance of the offensive line in the run game. Herbert did a great job, too. Yeah. So, Brian, I know you have one that isn't necessarily the offense. You were pretty impressed with Hamilton and the defense. And why don't you highlight some good defensive? I was impressed by Kewer, Hewitt, Pollard, and Shamari Connor. And, and Murray did a good job. He was in single coverage a lot. And I thought outside of one play, I thought he played pretty well. And Justin Hamilton did a good job mixing things up last night. And he did a good job against Miami, too. The pit game will, will make people cringe because that's what he's going to be judged on. And you got to remember he's learning on the job. There yeah. is a talent deficiency on defense. I'm encouraged by him. He's learning on the job. And, and last night was a big moment for him. And I thought he handled it pretty well. They, they ran out of steam late and the score got out of hand. But as far as he goes, I, I, I was impressed by him last night. So that was one of my takeaways. 
That's a really good point, Brian. When your offense isn't doing so well, your defense, even though it's hanging in there, it's going to give up explosives at some point. So it's, I don't really blame uh, Murray for you know giving up that long touchdown. Well, the only thing I wish he'd done was get his head cranked around because he might have been able to either knock it down or pick it off because it was that kind of throw where he had a shot at getting it if he had cranked his head around. But that's a, the difference between a junior underclassman who's just learning the job and a senior guy who knows that maybe he could ball hawk it a little bit. I mean, if it was going to be a TD, why not try for the ball? But the score, as Brian points out, looked way worse than it really was. The team looked like maybe it had a chance and things weren't horribly bad. There were some things that I'll bring up in my kind of grade article, although I'm not really going to do a grade, grade article, but I will cover what I saw happen and what I thought. So until we meet again on Wednesday to preview whether or not we've got to think we got a shot at getting the Commonwealth Cup back again. Before we go, I want to turn it to Jahar. Jahar, when's the basketball team take the court again? Uh, so Tuesday against Penn State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Penn State's ranked in the mid-50s by Ken Palm, while we're ranked around 25. So it's definitely like a losable matchup, especially if Tech plays the way they did against DMI. They eked that one out, but they get Jara back for this game. So hopefully it's it'll be a good one, I think. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Okay, guys. Well, hey, that's good news. And yeah, it was an eke out from VMI. But you know what? Sometimes teams that are winning, sometimes wins are close. And they're close in the way that the Hokies just seem to manage to grab a hold of, which is beat the guy that you're not supposed to beat and practically stumble and fall and lose to the guy you're supposed to clean up against. That seems to be our lot in life, doesn't it? So if everybody out in Hokie world will take a cooler, stop looking at the smoke and creating flames for right now and just hang on. We'll see what happens in another week, week and a half. But let's all concentrate on seeing if maybe we can get a win to end the season on a high note and get the cup back. So if everybody will will just keep up the good thoughts, we'll see what happens. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.